welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Knock On podcast. Uh, it's pretty much following up the week after Vegas here, big week in archery. Obviously had a super cool shoot down round, a lot going on. And I guess first and foremost for this podcast, I want to congratulate all the guys in Vegas that uh, shot 900s. And also I want to congratulate Sergio Pagni, uh, you're such a great, great ambassador for the sport of archery, and you know that I that I love you and would hug you if I could, if I saw you, man. Uh, awesome job, especially coming back and winning the lucky dog to then win Vegas was pretty dang spectacular. That's that was awesome to watch, and you know I can't really can't really express how cool it is to see Vegas and the excitement there and also just to look at the whole European movement and being able to have two Europeans win Vegas here in the last few years is pretty cool too. says a lot about the overall growth of archery and you know it actually inspired a really cool new design for a shirt that we're going to have coming out here pretty soon for knock on and i think all of you out there are really gonna uh appreciate this shirt so that's going to be super cool but uh i want to move in to talking about something that's i guess a little bit off the question and answer right now but something that i have been meaning to cover and that is for any of you who've been watching this season of Knock on TV, um, currently we've had three new episodes air, and we're those three have repeated, have had a repeat, and then now they're also uh, getting ready to move right into uh, new episodes coming out. And what you'll see is if you're watching that is on my arm you'll notice that i've got a pink wristband on there uh says team addison and on the other side it says one strong baby girl and this is actually a wristband that i got mailed to me just after i'd gone through my shoulder surgery and um Addie, her last name's griffin um is just a true inspiration her story is unbelievable she actually sent me a picture of her in her ballerina outfit doing the knock on sign i'll try to post that on my page um on the facebook page and and even on the instagram account so that you guys can get a look at her but she sent me that picture along with a handwritten letter pretty much telling me to to keep my head up and and uh sometimes surgeries happen and I'll be better when it's done and, you know, just super inspirational. And just to give you a little story about um, Addie, 
I I talked to her mom, Lindsay, and both both of her parents are have been great supporters to knock on. I surely appreciate it. Um, it was real touching to Sharon and I's heart. Um, it was just kind of an emotional day when we got that from you guys. So thank you so much. But um, pretty much to give all of you listeners out there background, when Addie was born, she was born with an immature uh, teratoma, which is a germ cell tumor and they found it when she was like two weeks old they did a series of tests um, went through about eight rounds of chemo and after those rounds the tumor grew when she was three months so they did another eight rounds of chemo to try to make it smaller but it grew again and uh, their options were really limited so on june 13th which is a day before my birthday uh she went in to do a surgery to resect the tumor, and they told they told the parents um, that they had a 50-50 chance with Addie coming out of that. So it was about a 13-and-a-half-hour uh, surgery, and when they removed the tumor, it was like 13 by 13 by 11-and-a-half. It was literally the size of a small watermelon. Um, so after they removed that, they had to do another eight rounds of chemo. Keep in mind, you know, Addie's four months old. Um, but thankfully she's been in remission since August of 2011. So it's total miracle, baby, miracle story, super inspirational, uh, for me to just kind of have a little period of time where I was down in the dumps about a shoulder surgery as soon as I got this in the mail and heard, you know, tell me just to keep knocking on, uh, geez, there's no way that, you know, stories like this can't do anything but inspire you. So, uh, that's just a awesome story. And, you know, you'll see me, uh, with this pink wristband on from time to time. I've gone through a few of them now. I'm down to my last one, but, um, that's really what it's all about. I'm going to post her picture on my Facebook page. Um, so any of you out there who are listening to the podcast, uh, be sure to give the Griffin family, um, I'll tag them on that post. Go ahead and give them some support and a shout out. It's a great story. But, um, from there, we're going to jump into, I've got several questions and answers here that have popped up over the last few weeks. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot more interaction right now because the show is on air. Um, it's target season. I've been really trying to, uh, stage a bit of a personal comeback here. Been really adamant about, um, shooting indoor archery, shooting 300s. Um, I've kind of had really, really solid streaks and then a couple hiccups along the way, but I'm super focused on getting my crap back together to be honest with you and this is gonna be a big year for me i'm not gonna compete just in case any of you out there want to ask me that but um and i say that i may go to a tournament i don't know but uh i am really focused on getting back to where i was i met it i met uh i set a lifetime goal I shouldn't say a lifetime, but I set a life goal when I was 30 to be in better shape at 40 than I was at 30, and I'll be 40 this June, so I intend to keep that. I am pushing really hard right now. I'm busting it hardcore and um, in the gym and also in the archery shop. 
And uh, yesterday I actually shot outdoors for the first time this year and shot at 50 meters for quite a while. Um, since my bow was set up with indoor arrows, I just built a quick set of fat boys and so I could have the same overall diameter and just uh, got a new mark and shot at 50 meters. Was feeling really good, really happy with how things are going and just love um, how my hyper edge is shooting. I know there's a lot of you out there listening that are uh, fans of other bow companies and uh, I certainly appreciate that and value that. But um, for me, I'm shooting a Hoyt right now. So that's kind of what I'm going to talk about if I'm referring to myself. So um, I'm going to jump into the first question here. And this really, they don't have a particular order. This first question is mainly coming, I think, because today I posted a little uh, video regarding a brand new Rage plus P broadhead that I used on a spot and stock hog hunt that I had uh, last week in Oklahoma. And uh, it's a really cool head. It's a one and a half inch cut. So the blade angle is not as flat when it's deployed. It's it's tapered up a lot more like a cut on impact style head. So um, it's half inch less overall cut diameter and the blade angle is not as steep. So it will penetrate a little bit better, which is why the name plus p came about so uh chance is asking i use the original raise rage broadhead because i like the rubber washer i want to switch to the hypodermic but i'm skeptical with the shock collar design uh, when i screwed in the broadheads with them it seemed to me like they wouldn't deploy on impact so what's my thoughts uh, i love that collar design way more than the rubber band design uh the rubber band anything rubber changes with temperature that's just you know kind of a known thing you take a rubber band outside and let it get cold and then try to stretch it it reacts completely different than if it's hot so um just for consistency that shock collar is an awesome design the main thing is when you use it make sure you read the package some people are making the mistake of they actually line up that shock collar and it has like th i think it has six slots in it all the way around the collar um and what you want to do is when you have the blades fully you know closed compacted you want to slide that shock collar up so that the tabs actually go over the small parts of the blade. You don't want to have the the blade in one of the slits of the collar. Uh, you want it actually in between the slits. So when there's a little bit of pressure push, it actually just breaks that plastic straight back and the, the head deploys perfectly and it doesn't take much to do it. And then also it allows you to use that same shock collar three times. So uh, Chance, I really like that design. Definitely give it a try. You're not going to be disappointed. I can assure you that. Uh, next question here is from Dave Salzer. Dave saying, uh, hello, John. Good day to you. What do you feel would be, be the best release to transition to if you're a recurve shooter shooting with a clicker? Um he says, I like the back tension feel, which is what almost any Olympic-style recurve shooter is going to say. Um, and I, I like to shoot my clicker now. I was wondering or was thinking about a hinge and think that would be most natural. So 
For any of you out there who have not shot um, a recurve, Olympic style recurve, um, they're very dynamic. They, you know, draw their bow, come to their anchor point, and from there, they're actually continuing to pull that bow backwards until their little clicker, which is a device that they have on the front tip of their arrow, as soon as they pull it past that clicker, it actually flips down against the riser makes a little click and that pretty much sets their brain off to let go of the string. What that does is it assures them to draw the bow to the exact same draw length every time which is critical on a recurve because you have to draw it to the exact same spot to have the same poundage and power stroke on the arrow. So anyone who's shot a recurve and is using a clicker they're used to a dynamic continual pull. So Saying that, um, you're really not going to be able to set up a clicker on a compound bow unless you have like an, you know, I know at one time Matthews made a cam called a super soft cam, which had no wall. It was spongy and it almost felt like a recurve at full draw. With a compound and a solid wall, you're not going to be able to have that continual dynamic pull like what you have on a, a clicker. So, a hinge release is a good option for having a surprise shot. However, a hinge release works off rotation. So unless you're shooting it with like a relaxation motion where you're actually continuing to pull and relax your fingers until it fires, you won't necessarily have the same feel, Dave. Um, I know that I say this a lot, but... Um, the Carter Evolution is a dynamite release for actually learning to just pull the same way as what you would with the recurve. You're going to have the solid wall of your bow, but as you pull, you're going to compress the spring that's in that release until you reach a peak weight that you've set that release to, and then it's going to surprisingly fire. You're not going to have to manipulate it. You're not going to have to rotate it. You're simply going to draw back with your finger on the trigger, let off the trigger and then just continue to pull and what you'll find is you're going to have that same surprise shot you're just not going to have a click to set that shot off so that's going to be my recommendation for you um, the next question here is from jamie simmons jamie is saying i'm 6'6 built like a linebacker i looked at your profile picture too jamie you are built like that uh, you have a 32 inch draw uh, question is, um, with all the history, do you have any tips that you could help me uh, use a bow like a Hyper Edge with a Carter First Choice or a Wise Choice release, even though the draw range stops at 31 and a half and I'm a 32 inch draw? Uh, any assistance would be appreciated. So, Jamie, here's what you do. Um, just so you know, like right now, I'm shooting a Defiant 31, a Carbon Defiant 31. Max draws 30 and a half, I think. Maybe it's shorter. Um, I'm a 31 inch draw, so it feels a bit short for me. So what I do is I actually take the grip off. Uh, you're going to gain some draw length by taking that grip off. Uh, add about six twists to your cables. Uh, make sure they're both synchronized perfectly. Uh, with that, you're going to at least gain a half inch of draw length. Um, from there... And I guess when it comes to grips, uh, an awesome option out there, uh, super grips, 
the the guy does an awesome job. Um, look up Rattler Grips. Um, Rattler Grips, they're awesome. They make great side plates, super cool material, and uh, I really, really like it. I've got some on certain bows that I use. Um, for people that like a narrower fit grip, this is a great option. Um, if you like a target bow feel, even on your hunting bow, you might want to check these out. Um, I actually just sent him, I uh, just bought a brand new Colt 1911 uh, handgun, and I sent him the grips off that 1911 to custom make me some for mine, for my actual pistol. So I don't know if he's wanting handgun business, but if any of you out there have handguns uh, and want a tricked out handgun grip, he does an awesome job. So uh, Jamie, if you do that, you're going to be able to get that 31 and a half inch bow to your 32 inch draw length. Um, the next thing is when it comes to those releases, I'm going to go ahead and tell you to go with the Wise Choice. Um, the Wise Choice is a brand new release that just came out from Carter. For those of you who don't know, it came out at the ATA show. It was kind of one of my favorite picks for the show. Um, it's really almost identical to like a Just Cause or Just Because when it comes to when you grab it, the length of the head and where it hooks on the string. The simple one, the two simple, they are going to have a shorter head than what the Wise Choice has. Um, I was shooting the Wise Choice, and I I love the feel and how it, sh you know, I love everything about it except the fact that my Hyper Edge right now is shooting so freaking good that I'm afraid to even change my D-loop out. I know that sounds kind of sad, but I've got one bow right now working. I haven't even tried to build another one. I don't have a backup bow yet. So I am sticking with um, a two simple right now. I'm shooting a two finger, two simple, and it's only because my wise choice feels just about three ace too long for me. But for you looking to get that extra draw length, that wise choice is going to do that for you. So uh, I hope that helps you out. Um, next question here. I don't even remember who asked this. This was asked a little bit ago. Um, someone sent a question in that said, what feelings and emotions do you get when you hit a bullseye? It said that they're in school and they're doing a study on sports psychology. So I'm not totally sure if I touched on this back on a prior podcast that I did with Frank Zane. Um, Frank is someone that I've really looked up to throughout my professional career. He's a former Miss Olympia, um, highly educated super smart, really, um, really knowledgeable on kind of controlling your mind, your thoughts, um, actual what your, what your thought process does to your overall performance, not only as an athlete, but just as a person in general, and also kind of worked with me on the mental side of competing. So years ago, I learned from Lanny Basham to you know, work on, you know, almost like a positive mental rehearsal, something that I continually go through in my mind, something that becomes systematic. It's almost like a mantra for any of you out there who have tried meditation. Um, you know, meditation is a super important aspect of any type of comp competition because 
if you do it on a daily basis and you really start to practice on that, then what it does is it helps give you the ability to bring yourself back almost to a to a safe place and a, a stable place. If you get to where you're breathing heavy, your heart's beating hard, you know, you're you're pretty much losing control of your body at that point. So you have to be able to come back to center. And what I have done over the last probably 10 years now is I really work on a mantra continually as I practice. Um, I can tell you right now I've, I've repeated it tens of thousands of times probably because I go through it in my head. For me, I pretty much go through it as soon as I'm either letting off my safety or getting my thumb to the release and actually starting to really stabilize my pin in the center of the target and start my continual motion to activate my shot. Um, I just mentally rehearse this saying in my head. It really helps me lose as much focus on really trying to, to aim. It helps me lose my, um, conscious thoughts of maybe pressure or situation and it just allows me to come back to focusing on one thought process and even help me focus more on my breathing and literally just slowing things down and keeping things small and smooth and you know my mantra is I shoot tens because they make me feel good and Sometimes I've been at tournaments where people have even told me that they can hear me saying it as I'm shooting. And if I really get in the flow and get in the zone, uh, that does happen. And I think the same happens to people that are really practicing on a daily basis uh, mental meditation. So hopefully that helps you out and something you guys can put to use uh, here in the future. Um, next question is from Dan Gill and Dan saying, um, perhaps as a question for you, maybe to answer on a podcast, the new DFX cam from Hoyt gives, uh, extra axle axle length, uh, which is true because of how it comes off the axle of the cam, your overall string angle is actually better. Um, is it true? Is it a true comparison in axle length? Um, so the hyper edge has a 36 inch axle to axle. If it does give 3.45 inches of axle length, would the DFX cam give me the equivalent to a 40 inch axle to axle bow? So I actually have not measured my hyper edge on how it actually the string angle compares to a 40 inch bow, like for example, like a Pro Elite or something. Um, I haven't really checked it even against my podium. Uh, and keep in mind, brace heights uh, do have some some effect on that too. What I can tell you is I'm 6'5". Uh, I have a 31-inch draw length. And the hyper edge fits me absolutely perfect. Um for any of you who want to see, I actually posted a video on the on the Knock On Archery YouTube site. Um, I actually filmed uh, 
uh, shooting a full 300 round every single shot. I kind of moved the camera around a little bit um, from end to end just so you could focus on different parts, whether it's my anchor or, you know, even my movement, my bow or my front hand, uh, facial pressure. I kind of adjusted the camera so you could kind of see different details of that. Um, and then also just see kind of my timing on my shot and my rhythm. And, you know, I can tell you that that bow fits me perfectly. And as a rule of thumb, I never shot a bow that was under 40 inches, you know, 10 years ago. So I don't know the true measurement. I should probably get mine out and actually measure, uh, my hyper edge versus like a pro elite with three thousands. But as of right now, I have not done it yet, but I can tell you that my 31 inch, uh, carbon defiant draws the exact same string angle as my 34 inch, uh, carbon spider ZT. So at least at that real short, uh, axle axle length, it actually does draw, uh, or string angle it compares to my old bow that's three inches longer axle to axle uh, next question here is going to be from dale jones i don't know if this is uh well it's probably not the dale jones that i used to compete with in 3d uh, we used to shoot together quite often um, actually him and i competed together i believe the year that i won rookie of the year um, in 3d and he was a great shooter, so if it is you, Dale, uh, hi, and uh, sorry I haven't seen you in a while, but um, says, the question I have is about Cam Lean. I've listened to every podcast and haven't found a really solid answer. I've done a lot of research on the subject and have a lot of controversy. My question is, um, do Hoyt bows need a Cam Lean to tune, or is that just... Um, an excuse from a bad bow mechanic. Um, so here's the thing. A lot of the cam systems now don't give you the options to really adjust your cam lean. And what I can say is, yes, if you adjust your, your actual cam position at full draw, it will change how your bow shoots through paper. Um, for the most part, when I used to shoot the longer axle-to-axle bows, I always liked having my cams perfectly vertical at full draw. However, uh, recently I found that some of my shorter bows, and that's the thing, a lot of archery is gravitating towards these shorter axle-to-axle bows, so there is a lot more pressure on the cams because where the roller guard is and where it's getting pulled over if the axle axle length is shorter it it has a sharper angle pulling it over towards the roller guard or cable guard so what i found is mine actually like to have when i'm looking straight at it from the back of the bow at full draw the top of my cam has a slight tilt to the left uh, maybe if you were looking at a clock, it would be just kind of right before, if you were going counterclockwise from high noon, it would be just right before 11 o'clock. And my bow shoots really good there. Um, people that have had some difficulties getting a left tear out, um, or if you're having trouble for with any bow getting a left or right tear out, 
don't be afraid to adjust your yoke on your top cam and see if that fixes the problem. Most of the time it will. Um, like I said, some of my longer bows, I always liked having my cam perfectly vertical at full draw. But here recently, uh, several of my bows have got along really good with having a slight lean um, at full draw to the left if I'm looking at the top of the cam. And what that does is it actually um, places that cable more direct into the cable track um, as it's coming to full draw. So hopefully that helps you out, Dale. And uh, thanks for sending in the question. So we're going to move on here. Alex Ballinger sent me a question. Um, says, I'm having a small issue aiming at a Vegas target. When I'm trying to focus on Vegas target, I'm creeping off the back wall just slightly and my bow movement grows and then I let down or come back to the wall and finish a shot. I'm doing it with a hinge and a trigger. If I aim at a painted dot at 60 yards, I can shoot all day and not do it. Um, I know your first answer is going to be an evolution, but is there any thoughts on what would what would be causing it? Um, let's see. He goes on to say, uh, I never had a bow aim so well as the one I have right now, but something is causing a weak shot, and I'm not sure if it is a bow. Um, was thinking about other things or possibly my shot process. Okay, so this is a pretty long question, but overall, first off, Alex, um, do I favor Carter Evolutions? Yes, I do. They solve a lot of problems. Um, for this case, I'm gonna I'm gonna go outside of the box. I don't know if you said it in here, but um, I'm just gonna say outside of the box. If you have a bow that has a cam system that's very demanding, like there's a lot of people that really are going after like a turbo cam or a turbo style cam or the speed cams or like an omen cam on a PSC. They're going after something to get that extra 10 feet a second. Anytime you do that, it comes with a price. I can tell you right now that what you're describing right here happens to me every single time I've ever tried a spiral cam and tried to shoot it at 60 pounds. This is exactly what happens. And if I get in a tournament and I have a little bit of pressure on me and I'm tight, it happens frequently. And it's funny because you talk to different archers, and I'm going to use Steve Anderson, uh, Steve the Big Cat Anderson, as an example because Steve and I are very similar in overall size. However, our preference and what we like for feel of a bow are very different. Steve really loves a bow that is set up to be very demanding because in his mind, he knows that if he's getting tight and if he's getting nervous in a tournament, he wants to be able to have to shoot that aggressively and dynamically in order to know that he's going to put everything in the center. Personally, I know that I make more mistakes than I would if I was had the mentality of Steve. So I really like a cam system that has a comfortable valley, but also has a solid wall. Um, I like having a little bit of let off compared to what most shooters like. 
Um, but I just don't like a can that is either going forward or back. I like there to be kind of a lazy area in the back of that cam because I can tell you that when I get tight, sometimes you feel like you're pulling harder than you are. And especially if you're shooting a more aggressive cam or a spiral cam or something like that, if you start to try to aim, which is what a big part of this problem is, whenever people get indoors, this is a huge part of the mental block for indoor shooting. I talked earlier about about Vegas. You know, there were four or five guys, I can't remember, that shot perfect 900s. Every single body there, every person there knew that if they're not shooting a perfect round, there's a good chance they're going home. So the difficult part about shooting something like Vegas or an indoor tournament where scores are super high is you go from saying that you're going to shoot and shoot good to saying that you can't miss. When you start thinking about, I can't miss, I can't miss one, then you start to aim. The more you aim, the more you will start to creep, the more you will start to collapse. That's why I don't like, I personally don't teach students to set up bows for aiming and waiting for a release to fire. I really like to be dynamic in pull and execution, the same as what Olympic-style recurve shooters shoot all the time, regardless of whether they're indoor or outdoor. You know, a lot of the indoor recurve shooters, they're not shooting perfect scores, so mentally they're not really going in there saying, I can't miss at all. They know that they can miss some, And they're just continuing to pull through their shots. Now, if for some reason recurve archers went to an indoor shoot like Vegas and took their clickers off their bow to where they just pulled back and did their best to aim and let go, I can tell you their scores would totally go down the toilet. The best thing for you is to focus on execution and focus on your execution instead of your aiming and these scores will take care of themselves I promise you that there's no reason that when you go outside you're able to shoot the type of scores that you're shooting and then have a variance indoors if your bow is tuned and set up properly so that's going to be in my advice to you I'm not necessarily saying that you need an evolution the main thing is you need a surprise shot But you also need to have a bow that's not trying to control the shot. You need to be able to control the bow. Uh, One thing that I've said over many years is that archery is one of the few sports where you can be stronger than the sport. And that's a big part of why I feel like I was successful as a pro is because I spent so many years focusing on my physical build, and focusing on being in shape. I felt like I was able to be stronger than my bow. However, if I would have picked a bow that was not favoring that, those cards would have flipped into the bow's favor instead of mine. Uh, Next question here is from Jeremy. Uh, I don't have your last name, buddy, but you say, I'm new to experimenting with a sidebar stabilizer. Um... I want to use it mainly for league and recreation shooting, but many consider it for hunting as well. It's a 10-inch front bar and an 8-inch side bar. Uh, 
Um, I've been trying to read up on tips to balance my bow. How do I start the process? Um, he said, I also looked into the dead center bow balancing tool, um, and it's quite expensive. So I actually looked up that bow balancing tool. It looks pretty cool. Um, I would probably try one if, if I had one. Um, but what I can tell you about stabilizers is this is, they're so personal. I keep saying this all the time, but it's the truth. Um, some bows like a lot of front weight. Some bows like more rear weight. Um, they react different. Some bows just like to kick to the side and, and having a side rod with more weight kind of prevents some of that. Some are the exact opposite. It really depends. I like to take my bows and hang the cam by a string and I like to be able to adjust my side rod to an angle to where it helps balance my bow. I shoot a 10 inch side rod on mine. Now I will say I don't like shooting multiple stabilizers on my hunting bows. That's just me. I don't want to pack that stuff around. I don't want to try to maneuver it. I don't want to try to crawl and spot and stalk with a V-bar setup. There's no way. Um, one stabilizer is more than enough for me. Um, typically I shoot a removable quiver so that I can take that off and not really have to worry about it. Um, I will say when it comes to bows, I like to keep my weight closer to the center mass. I like to keep the weight closer to my hand. And what that does is it allows any increase or decrease in weight to almost have a little bit less of an impact on how aggressively it changes the feel of the bow. Increasing mass weight will help you slow down your overall movement, but the further you put mass weight out away from the bow, the faster you'll change the overall lean to how that bow feels. So, you know, if you put uh, 10 inches or 10 ounces of rate, weight right on the very left edge of the riser, and that, but then you put 10 ounces of weight straight out 10 or 11 inches off the side of the riser, it's going to feel a lot different to stabilize it. I've found that I just like keeping my mass fairly close to the bow within a few inches. And, you know, I really just like having my bow to where I don't have to manipulate it or put extra hand pressure, hand torque into getting my bow level when I come to full draw. And that's just my opinion. When it comes to stabilizers, I personally really like to keep keep it simple. It keeps my form clean. It prevents me from having to hitch my waist, lean back, compress my shoulder, cock my neck. All that stuff comes from having too much front weight. Um, and I'm just not a huge believer in it. Uh, the other thing is some people now are shooting so much weight off the back of the stabilizers that it actually is almost um, it it almost becomes a nuisance for how you have to maneuver yourself on a shooting line to work around this big stabilizer that's coming behind the bow. If you're having to be uncomfortable or hold your bow out in a position to where you're not able to relax your arms between shots, then that weight is probably in the long run becoming more of a problem than it is an aid. So hopefully you can take some of that uh, and put it to use, Jeremy. Uh, getting kind of low on time here. I'm going to jump into one more question. I might do two, but uh, this question is going to be from Paul Hatch. 
Paul, awesome supporter to us. Uh, I noticed that you uh, kind of use a knock-on logo for your for your profile picture. I really appreciate that. I always try to comment when I see people do that. Appreciate you supporting us. Um, so you said to have a lot of distraction at the indoor archery range. Can you give me some inside info on how to concentrate and block out everyone um, and just execute your shot? Like laughing, cracking jokes, such like that. So, um, well, hey, here's the deal. A lot of times you just have to develop thick skin on that. Um, that's one thing that I actually worked with my boy when I shot with little dud here in the backyard. I always tried to make stupid noises to try to get him to laugh or try to get him to lose focus. And you have to be able to deal with that. Um, you know, it's, it's something that you're gonna experience no matter when you're at an archery range. And especially the closer you get to the shoot-offs, the more and more people that are going to get pushed around you. I actually feel like I've been pretty fortunate because I, I have a pretty serious case of ADD, I think. My attention span is incredibly short, and a lot of times I'm kind of just off in my own little world. Um, it's pretty annoying for people around me, and I know... I know that I do it. I just don't know when I'm doing it. Otherwise, I'd try to snap myself out of it because I know it's not polite. Um, but when it comes to competition and I'm kind of in that world, uh, it really helps me compete because I'm not, I don't hear a lot of what's going on around me. I, I haven't heard when people are calling my name or people are shouting crap. Um, a lot of times, if I'm really zoning out, so to speak, I'm also in the zone. So you just really need to get to the point where you're able to to do that. And for some people, it's a matter of, you know, if that's annoying and it, and it affects you, you have to mentally just tell yourself, I'm going to deal with this. I'm just going to confront it and I'm not going to let it bother me and throw yourself into that element enough times to where you start to be able to build uh, a callus to it. You start to thicken your skin skin, and get through it. The other thing too is like I talked about earlier, having that mental process, that shot routine or part of your shot routine to where you're mentally saying something and repeating self-talk, you actually will occupy your conscious mind and you're going to have a pretty good filter to prevent a lot of that bull crap to come in. Um, the next or the last question I'm going to do here, uh, I actually just saw on the Facebook page here a second ago uh, from Chad Rumsby said, um, please talk about the four fletch um, that you use. Uh, seems like it'd be loud or have a lot of uh, resistance. Um, and then, well, he also is asking about the penetration difference between a Axis 260 and Injection 330. Um, so it's kind of a lot of questions. What I found, Chad, is I'm having really good success lately with the that small little Pro Max vein. Um, I'm shooting it in a four-fletch just because it is a lower profile vein. It's not as high as the two-inch Max Hunter or like a, it's not as high as like a boning vein. So like a blazer vein. So I'm actually shooting the four-fletch because of the fact it's not as high. I'm able to 
increase my overall surface area for having the ability to steer um, without having such a high profile. Now when it comes to drift from the side, um, it actually doesn't have near the drift as what a longer vein would. Um, but when it comes to actual drag and ballistic drop, uh, this small four fletch is about comparable as a short high profile three fletch. So that's what I found. I've been super happy with how it is for wind drift um, and also overall drag. And to be honest with you, all you have to do to test this is take them out and, you know, fletch several, take three arrows, fletch every one of them different. Um, sight one of the arrows in at as long of a distance as you're comfortable shooting and then just shoot all three down there as long as you're making good shots you'll quickly see which of the three are doing what and which of the three are going to be more favorable for drag when it comes to penetration that question that you asked me is a pretty loaded question because a 260 axis is going to be heavier in mass weight um, compared to that smaller um, injection I can tell you overall, um, you know, I think they're making a heavier um, deep six injection now. Like a, I think they were going to be making like a 290 spine in that case, or two, maybe it was a 280 spine. But um, in that case, you know, you kind of need to compare spine to spine. And what I will tell you is this. Um, smaller diameter, higher mass weight is always going to outpenetrate a larger diameter in equal mass weight. So thanks everybody uh, for tuning in. I guess real quick, one last thing here. Um, I did want to let you guys know um, I've been super busy. I'm trying my best to stay on top of the podcast, but I have a lot of uh, behind the scenes stuff that I'm doing in the archery community. I'm not really able to talk about it right now just for confidentiality purposes with some of the people that I'm working with, um, but I'm just really tied up right now with with coaching and clinics and, and helping people get some, some writing and some books done. So um, I appreciate you guys supporting us, and you know, please tune in to the Knock on TV show if you're into hunting. Uh, awesome new episodes coming up. Please help me share, spread the word. This is going to be... Uh, really important over these next years. And uh, thanks everybody so much. Uh, Shoot's great. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com